And while there are people who do some embodiment practice in yoga, I think for the most part in our culture, we look at the body as something that we need to Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so glad you're here again this week. You know, we all unconsciously learn coping mechanisms and habits from a young age that help us to survive. My guest today, Kathy, recognized her own patterns as protective responses meant to keep her safe as a child, but as an adult, they were keeping her stuck. Through a deeper exploration of trauma, Kathy worked with her own body and nervous system, learning how to trust herself, mind, and body, resulting in more fulfilling approach to life with a greater sense of play. Kathy Taylor has been an IFC credentialed coach since 2017. She's certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Uzazu Embodied Intelligence, and Neurosomatic Intelligence. She incorporates the body, the brain, and the brilliance of horses in her practice working with high-achieving women. For more than 13 years, Kathy has helped guide at the transformation of more than 800 clients using scientifically backed methods and by nurturing her clients' self-trust and intuition. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much. Glad to be here, darling. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to have you. The, you know, I relate to your um, experience and practice so much uh, in my personal background and, of course, in the outcome of what you're working on. So tell us a little bit about how you came to the work. Oh, well, it's been a long journey. I guess I came to the work ultimately because of my own childhood patterns, um, people-pleasing, perfectionism, proving I have to raise my hand at all of those. And, um, you know, I was really getting in the way of this business that I was doing, which was working with people and horses um, for mental health reasons. And um, I just kept thinking, I'm not communicating this well. Part of it is because I'm hiding. And part of it is because I just don't know the words yet. But a lot of it was because I was hiding. And I thought, I've got to quit doing this. Um, and, you know, I read all the books, I tried all the things, I got all the coaches. And finally, what really made the, what was the tipping point was when I finally learned about getting into my body and how that would change things. And then when I look back, it's interesting how many little crumbles, little tidbits and crumbs were on that road to actually lead me to where I got to. So I love that. I love that. And, you know, uh, as we spoke earlier, we chose this topic of fully embodying yourself. And it's such a great way that you just talked about it in terms of when we're embodying ourselves, there's more than just um, physicality, right? So there's brain and there's the thought and there's feelings and there's body. I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? So this idea that you just talked about in terms of knowing the words and also being able to uh, relate to your body, those are such important concepts, right? They are. And we're so disconnected from our bodies and don't even know it. And that is, that's probably 90% of the problem right there. 
is we're, we're, we don't even realize how disconnected we are. Yeah, that is a really big issue. That is a really big issue. So a lot of times we have problems in our lives. We're like, these are problems. We need to fix them. But we have no idea that they're even related to other areas of uh, unawareness. That's a really big thing. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time I've heard, and I've even said it myself, that when you have more awareness, you have more choice. And someone said something a couple of weeks ago that I, that made me think, oh, that's actually not true. <laughs> you, you might have more choice, but if you don't know how to get there, you don't know which choice to make. So it's actually awareness plus skill equals choice. And oh, so I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it wasn't my idea. That was, um, one of my mentors and uh, actually my Uzazu trainer founder. Um, you know, the, so through Uzazu and through neurosomatic intelligence, my goal is to offer people tools, these, to build these skills so that when they have these awarenesses and these insights of like, Oh, here's why I'm doing this. They can so okay, here's what I can do to change it and shift it. And then they have the choice to do that. Yeah, this is such a big point uh, that uh, we rarely talk about on this podcast. So I think we should uh, really bring it out and talk a little bit about it before we get to the getting better stage, <laughs> getting to make choices stage. But there is this rawness that can happen when we have awareness without any tools, right? There's like, this has happened in my personal life early on in my life where I suddenly gained awareness, right? There was enough shift and change and trauma that I finally went like, oh, my eyes are open. And it was excruciating for several months because I knew who I was, right? I knew that I was behaving in ways that I absolutely did not want. I knew that I was uh, creating my problems, that I was participating in the creation of them. I could see myself so clearly and I had no power to change it. Right. So I just kept sort of walking into those same situations over and over and over again, going, how am I going to change this? Why don't I behave differently? My brain knows what that what I want. My brain is saying, stop doing that or do something different. But we don't always have that kind of control. Right. If we're not connected between our brain and our body. A lot of times we have these insights. It's like, well, that's great. What do I do about it? Or it's confusing. Like there's all these things to do about it. And I don't know which one to pick. So I, you know, the thing that's great about working with the body is you always have your body with you. <laughs> so you can always do something in your body to shift it. And um, in the Uzazu, the embodiment work that I do, it's literally about paying attention to moving your body backwards or forwards or down or up in space. And it can be really small shifts or really big ones, depending on what you need. You can even, you can even do it in a meeting where you don't actually move anything at all. You just move the sensation in your body. And, um, but you know, that's, that's what sort of takes some practice. Cause a lot of people are like, well, I don't even have any idea what, you know, I don't know where I feel things in my body. So that's one of the things we start playing with too. So many times when we have an insight or one of those aha moments, we think, oh, fantastic. Now I can find the answer. But oftentimes then there's no answers. So I'm trying to help people to gain some, to add some skills to their 
toolbox so that they can have that awareness, take the skill and then make the change. So this, this piece of it is so important because I think, as you pointed out earlier, that this is a, a part that when we're walking through life, we don't know why we would hire a coach, <laughs> right? We don't know. We're like, but if I have awareness and I can see the goal, I can see what's happening out there. So I know, you know, like I want to be like that guy. I got it. I can see that I'm not like that guy. So I'm going to figure out how to get there. That the figuring out how to get there, you need some skills that we are not taught in school. So a lot of times people hear that you have to embody it, that there has to be a physicality to, to change. And they feel like, well, I play sports, so I have awareness of my body. I, I know how to dance or I know how to play football, right? It's interesting that you bring up sports because that is a lot of what people think is like, well, you know, I work out or I go to yoga or something. Um, and while there are people who do some embodiment practice in yoga, I think for the most part in our culture, we look at the body as something that we need to improve. We need to use, we need to get it, use it to get it us from point A to point B. It should be beautiful. It should function well, which is one way to look at it. Then there's another way, which is the body is, is part of me. It, you know, it is me. And how can I express myself through the body? And so what I'm trying to help people do is to connect those sensations and the feelings of how, you know, maybe you're in a yoga, you're doing yoga and you're in a pose or you're playing soccer or something. Is it, does it ever cross your mind? How do you feel about doing this pose? What emotions does it elicit in you? And how can you, and, and is that helpful? So it sort of comes from a, a more mechanical perspective. I mean, we talk about biomechanics all the time. Am I lifting this weight correctly so that my body doesn't break down? Something like that. Um, you know, lift with your legs, they always say, right? And so um, is there a way to listen to that? And also, how am I feeling as I'm lifting? Is there any part of my body that's that's speaking to me from maybe sort of a, a higher a higher level? Yeah. So the, you bring up a great point here. Uh, I feel like a lot of times people get this part where, as you said, a lot of times people go to yoga, they're in a pose and they have an emotion and they feel like, oh, I'm releasing my emotions, except that there's no connection between what that experience is that you're having and what your spiritual condition is, right? What your mind, body, spirit are doing in the world. So it's an isolated thing. And so a lot of times people, I hear this all the time from people where they, they have this experience, they go, oh, I released something. But what, what did you release? Was it something you wanted to release? Was it something that's helping you to get on your way? Is it something that really needed to be processed in a different way, right? So there's a lot more work to it, isn't there? Yes, there is. So a lot of our work, you know, we, we'll, we'll move backwards in space, forwards in space, down or up in space, or make our body wide or narrow. And believe it or not, those elicit sensations in us. For example, I love the, uh, you know, if you can imagine you have a six-year-old kid, maybe it's your son or daughter, your grandchild, your niece or nephew, something, 
running down the running running down the side of the soccer field, and they are about to score. You're not gonna your your body's gonna go up and forward and go yay when they score, right? It's not gonna sit down and go backwards and go yay because no one's gonna believe you. Even your body doesn't believe you. So the things the 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 poses that we do are things that your body does automatically. Sometimes though, we want they do them automatically a little bit too much or a little bit not enough. So if for example, we can't um we're afraid to experience joy and we can't get enthusiastic about something because oh, we're afraid that the shoe might drop. Um that's a little bit of underactivated area of collaboration in in the model in that Uzazu model that I'm that I'm referring to. And it can be overactivated too if we're just out there always having insights and experiences and thinking about things and solving problems in our head but never actually implementing them. So you talked a bit about um the language that your body is speaking to you that there is an inherent language that that bodies speak, right? And earlier you had made reference to this concept that the body is me. And I remember this moment in my life where I, <laughs> I I tend to be someone who when I get a new concept, I go around saying the words over and over again to people. Um, and they're, of course, they're the same words that people mean something different with, right? Because we only have so many words in the world and we can't always see exactly, you know, we're not always ex um, able to express a newness, a, a new understanding about a concept. But there was this moment where uh, I, I understood that we don't just store feelings in the body, that that is the fear or that space is the happiness, or that space is the worry, right? And so there's this enmeshing that happens conceptually, right? This was sort of a new level of understanding. And I think it points to that model you were talking about, about like, well, we should just fix the body. Let's fix it, <laughs> right? That it should look pretty and it should be functional. And so, if it has a pain and somebody tells me that pain is fear, then I should get rid of that, right? Which is really different than like, I created this space. I needed this space of fear in my body. What am I doing with that now? What, does it serve me? Does it not serve me? Why is it painful? You know, all of those kinds of things. And when you brought in that idea of the language of the body, moving forward. Even when you told the story, I moved forward. I got so excited for the kid running down the <laughs> soccer fields, right? So then then you're in real conversation, which you've been in your whole life, but you didn't know how to speak the language, right? I love how you put that. that yeah, because I don't think I've actually consciously thought that, but we are. We're, if we are constantly, or we could, I should say it that way, we, we are able to constantly have a conversation with our body, but we need to learn how to listen to it. And so that, that means slowing down because our, it just does, <laughs> um, because we've been in our head all the time and just, it's, it's spinning. Um, 
I've said recently, I've heard so many people over the course of my life say, you know, I'm all, I'm always in my head over this. I'm in my head and I just have to get out of my head. And I'm thinking nobody's ever said anything about being in their head as something that's positive. It's like we want to get away from it and get out of it. And so I'm thinking, yes, yeah, so let's get into the body because the head is trying to make sense of all the things that is ha that are happening in the body. And only 20% of it ever makes it to our head, to our brain. All of that sensory input, 20% of it makes it to our brain. So our body's processing, processing that other 80% on its own, and it's got a lot of information. And, but, and slowing down to listen to it takes, because we don't listen to it with our ears, so it takes slowing down and sensing what is that. And since we haven't done it very much, either because of trauma or disuse, it takes slowing down and learning how to doing it and do it and practicing it. You are so reminding me of this construct that people use in movies where they, uh, you know, when you want to show heightened awareness, right? You, you slow everything down. You move the subject away from the background, right? You isolate. And this idea that like, it's not happening up here right? That this 80% and 20%, this is a massive revelation for whoever takes it in, right? That it isn't that we have these brains and they have to sort of put up with the body and, you know, be in service to it, make sure it exercises and it eats and all the things, right? But actually that, that those parts of the body are doing things that are that are information, that are what we have to process about being here. So, um, yeah, so I would love to hear kind of about more about that. And 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 I wonder how that relates to the work that, that people do with horses and why you might work with an, an animal in this kind of a processing situation. Well, um, I mean, it's the body that experiences things right? Like you can't learn to ride a bike from watching one video or a thousand videos. You have to actually get out there and do it. It's the body that experiences. And then our brain goes and makes the stories. The thinking part of our brain makes the stories. So we need both of them, but all, but the sensory information, the, the feeling of, are we balanced? You know, like physically, are we in balance or out of balance? Are we hearing something correctly? Are we seeing something correctly? Where is my body in space? All of those things are, are, is in, incoming sensory information. And only about 20% of that actually makes it to the thinking part of our brain to process and say, here's what we make a story about. So there's so much that doesn't get taken in. And yet we think we have these hard, like, this is my opinion and this is the way it is. And actually, well, that's the way it is for you in this moment at this time. But it's not necessarily like that for anyone else ever nor will it be for you again, right? Um, so, and I, I also love the whole idea of slowing down and how it, how you say, you know, they use the camera to back up because when we have these aha moments, hopefully they cause us to slow down, to feel our bodies, I'm like, that's what happened. And then we go, ding, like that's, that's sort of what's happening. And so to be out there with the horses, one of the coolest things about working with them is they don't have 
the thinking brain that we do, right? They have much more of a sensing feeling brain and we have more of a thinking brain. So by working with them, we can, we can sort of get a little bit more of our thinking and feeling brain going and help them process and think a little bit more so we can, so we actually are good for each other in that way. So one of my favorite things about horses is they don't tell stories about themselves or us like we do. You know, I have clients come out and probably the most common thing that happens is, oh, I don't want to go bother the horse they're eating. That's what goes through their mind or that's what they say out loud when I, you know, when the request is, would you like to go make a connection with the horse? Well, I don't want to bother them, they're eating. Okay, so then we can take a look at in this, when you're building this relationship, where else does something like that come up? Um, but the, the horse is not saying, oh, this person's got, is scared of me or whatever. They either want to be near you or away from you based on how you make them feel. And they don't even judge you for making them feel bad or good. It's just, how do I feel? And I'm going to respond to that. And I think if we could really get involved more in doing that and being honest about it, then we wouldn't be people pleasers. We wouldn't be perfectionists that have to have everything correct and right. Um, we wouldn't feel the need to prove that we're good enough all the time because we would be genuine and honest with ourselves about how we're feeling in a particular moment. I like that. Um, you know, you really uh, bring up this non-judgment piece that when we are in our bodies, when we're embodying ourselves, right? that we can't be in judgment at that same moment because we're in a present moment. So if you're present, then there isn't reflection, right? There's no comparison. So I see what you're saying and understand what you're saying about being present is non-judgmental. Yes. And we pop in and out so quickly that we can have a judgment about, am I being present? And then we're actually not present in that moment. And then we go back to being present. So, it's, it's kind of a tricky to always trying to be, decide, am I being present or not? Because even that right there is a judgment. So I guess I'd go back to, yes, your, your, your assessment of being, when you're really present, there's not a judgment about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have certainly worked with people who, um, who have a habit of self-assessment and the habit of self-assessment can be an asset or a detriment. And sometimes we get in the habit and then we continue to do it over and over and over again until it stops the process of experience. So you're, you're experiencing only a second or two and then you're in the self-judgment aspect of it and back and forth instead of like, I, it makes me think of this moment. Many years ago, I moved from uh, one city to the country, from a city to the country, right? And uh, I didn't want to move. <laughs> My late husband wanted to move and I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> right. And the deal I made with him was to not make a judgment for six months. And I felt like, okay, we can set it up so that we don't have commitments that are beyond our means during that six month period and things like that. But honestly, it wasn't until about nine months later when I was standing on this porch, this beautiful old porch with the tulips coming up and I was doing a deal on the phone that I wanted to be doing right I was still able to participate in my sort of the parts of my city life that I loved 
that I went like, oh, okay, I like it here, right? But uh, but sometimes we kind of don't experience, we, we keep ourselves from that experience. I, I find, and I, and I wonder if this is true for you, that a lot of times when people come to us, that just being able to have a session gives the container to be able to have the experience free and clear. I think a lot of times, because we are so out of our body and disconnected from it, because we're in our head so much, either from, um, and I may have said this before, either from disuse or from trauma or abuse of our of being in our body, it doesn't feel safe or comfortable. So we are we're always just thinking and making a judgment about what's going on right now instead of being in the moment. And, you know, scrolling through our phones is a perfect example. Like instead of, could we just sit here and enjoy the moment or do we have to sit there and just be scrolling the whole time. It can feel like you're doing nothing, you know, like that's our society wants to be so productive um, that the whole, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I, you know, I can't rest. That's a big problem. Well, actually your body needs to rest. Like rest is something that you actually need to do. So doing nothing is something you need to do, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> Love that. So it has been so great uh, to be able to connect with you about all of this. And really, I love this topic of fully embodying yourself uh, in that, you know, obviously, uh, I, I just really relate to how we are bigger than we are energetic bodies, right? <laughs> so we are bigger than just our brains. And, uh, and so I so appreciate you coming here and talking to us about it today. Uh, let me know, how can people get in touch with you and what you've got going on in your world right now? Well, I've got a website. It's Herdwise. That's Herd like horse herd. W-I-S-E, herdwiseleadershipcoaching.com. And that's the best and easiest place to get hold of me. You can email me there as well. And coming up, the most exciting thing I've got is got a couple of fun things. But in the so I, every month I do I offer a free monthly embodiment introduction to embodiment workshop play shop I call them sometimes because we're in there we're just playing and it's a it's really a time where someone can experience what it means to go into those dimensions of backwards into self forwards into other down into sensing up into acting and experience what it is to what it, what that's like um it was it was it was really life changing the first time i experienced it because I, I realized when i went into other that i left myself behind and i had no no conscious understanding of that before that. So I offer that once a month. And then I also have, um, starting in the new year, I'll be offering a practice lab around that. So that if you've been, anyone who's been to one of those introductory workshops um, can come and we can practice. It's not necessarily teaching, but we'll be practicing and going through those so that you can practice and use those, um, those shifts and those movements in space in your life for your specific challenges and issues and all that good stuff. Nice, really great. Thank you so much. Uh, we will, of course, link everything uh, so that whatever platform you're listening on, 
right now, whether you're listening or watching, just go to the platform show notes and you will have all the links. Well, not very many because it's just one. Uh, but you will have it linked right there. So it's uh, easy for you to find. And uh, so I just want to say again, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. This has been really fun. My pleasure. And I want to remind all of our listeners that you can go to unbreakable.guide to get your guide to being unbreakable. That means that you get to have some control over what emotions you're going through and how you experience the world. There's lots of great tools in there. Uh, and go to donalyn.blog to find everything else in my world. See you next time.